Welcome to Point Your Toes, the Adventures of an NYC Dance Teacher. I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Lesson planning. So we discussed like our philosophies about teaching, but now we want to get into like the nitty gritty of like actually what it means to do lesson plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will for I will be that person that will say it. I thought lesson plans were stupid when I first started. I was always that person that was like, why do I need to plan out what I'm going to do? I'm just going to show up and create, I'm going to show up, create a dance and go. Mm-hmm. And in some instances, I slightly, I slightly still do that. I don't want to take out the spontaneity of it. Like I was very against like uh, creating such a rigid and orderly something when it came to creating dance and art. And then I started teaching multiple different dance levels, multiple different schools, multiple different theaters, multiple different experiences. And when you start teaching all those different types of gambits, I found that I had I had the knowledge, but like I would go blank in the room because partic- some particular programs, like I will have ninth graders that are, it's an art school. They've been dancing since they could walk. And so these are dancers I can speak all French to if it's a ballet or modern class. Like I can speak plenty of French to them and they're good. And then I'll have another group of ninth graders that are just starting their dance careers that don't know it. So I need to like purposely spend time explaining what a pas de deux is, explaining what, you know, grand jeté is, or I'm yelling plié and they're like, wait, what does that mean again? I'm like, oh, we're not speaking the same language. So like, I actually had to like plan out what I was doing. So I very quickly became pro lesson plans, even though I still hate doing them, but I became pro lesson plans. (laughs) Yeah, I was the exact same way. Um, I totally, when I started teaching, was like, this is silly. Like, why do I have to have lesson plans? I even remember we had to take a course in college called Teaching Methods, where the majority of the course was about writing lesson plans and then um, being able to teach off of your lesson plan. And I was hated it. I hated writing them. I thought it was so silly. I was like, why can't I just go in and like teach dance, you know? And I do think that there are certain programs or classes where you can just go in and teach, right? I've definitely worked in companies or programs before where it's like, all right, I just have to have my choreography ready. And then, you know, we'll do our warm up and then I'll just like tell them something to do and then we'll work on choreography, right? Like I don't need to really plan a minute by minute, what is my class going to look like? And I agree with you, Tony, where I always felt like that was so like inauthentic and not creative and Why should it be so rigid? But it is true that as you begin to teach more and more classes at different levels in different styles, or like for a long time, for years, I was freelancing and I taught with like three or four different studios or companies and everyone had had a different like teaching philosophy. And so being able to get lesson plans from them or create lesson plans based off of their materials was really helpful to keep myself organized. Um, And that's the other thing, like with the organization of like, and even beforehand, what also kind of triggered me is like, 
I was working at like summer camps or programs where like there just wasn't a lot of money to start out. So like I would have really large groups Mm-hmm. at one at a time so like i would easily have like 40 kids in a massive gymnasium or like a d- massive dance studio but it's like 40 kids you've got to know what you're going to do every second you're in there with them or even if it's like a rough outline you just you have to have that lesson plan to just know where you're going because there are so many of you there are so many of them and there's only one of you and you simply can't keep up with just how crazy and sporadic everything is happening if you don't have a if you don't have a plan absolutely and if you if you don't at least have a have an outline of what your next activity is going to be or what you're going to teach or your choreography especially when you're working with kids and even teenagers they're going to start to get restless and especially younger kids now i do think that the art of the pivot is super important for instance i had a whole lesson plan planned um and then on uh, last week in New York, we had the big snowstorm. And because I'm teaching remote, we didn't cancel school. And right. I just like, I was teaching kindergarten that day and I could just tell they were so restless. And my lesson plan was initially supposed to be them beginning to learn choreography to a dance combination. And I was like, this is not going to happen today. They are five and six years old. They want to be outside. They know that they're not supposed to be having school right now. And so I pivoted and I was like, all right, what resources can I pull to create a (laughs) snow dance lesson? So, you know, we talked about how does the snow make you feel? Can you move like a snowflake? Can you dance like an ice skater? Can you dance like a snowman? Okay, now, and you know, we just like really did like a more creative dance and thinking about the snow. And they were so excited because they also got to relate it to what was happening outside for them but so I think what also comes with so two thoughts I'm having mm-hmm. comes with lesson plans is the ability to have a plan and you have to have the ability to pivot and when you have lots of different lesson plans and resources it's going to be a lot easier for you to go oh let me pull up that other lesson that had that link in it or that had that that like I did this once before so let me pull up that other lesson and look at it really quick and that's the part that I love yeah. And the, then the, other, the other thing is when you start teaching a lot of classes, like you definitely are going to get confused. Like for me, like always right, <laughs> right now, like I'm teaching, um, I'm teaching five classes, like five different classes right now. And that's not even the most I've ever had. Like, I think, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think the most classes I ever had um, when I was teaching in school was like 11 or 12, like in a yeah, week. Yeah, 12, 12 um, is my max. Yeah, I think I 12 had 12 is my max. max. And that, <laughs> we should also mention, this is not what you want to be doing. 12 yeah, is a 12 lot, is like guys. 12 is, 12 is too much. Like I'm teaching five right now. And I even have moments of like, what am I teaching them again? Because it's different grades. They're mm-hmm. working on different content. So then when you're like at the last minute, like, oh shit, what am I supposed to do? You can pull up the lesson plan. And I, so I totally agreeing on that point of when you have your lesson plans planned out and multiple lesson plans, it makes the ability to pivot so easy. Um, mm-hmm. But I first want to start with the, the fact of like, you, when you're teaching a lot of classes, you just forget. I always, the minute I start a new combo, I say, who the song is by, what it's from. I will write it on the board so the kids can copy it. Not for mm-hmm. them, for me, because the next day or the next week I'll walk in. Cause currently, and kind of like even within the last couple of years, a lot of these kids, I don't see more than two times a week. Oh yeah. 
I so I will I will walk into them. So yeah, like one to two times. Yeah. I have a high school where I teach Monday and Tuesday, and then I don't see them till the following Monday. So a lot of life happens in there, and a lot of choreo happens. So I will walk in and be like, "What did I teach you?" Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Guess we're starting a new dance because no one remembers. Oh no, this is this song. Well, I like that song. Start dancing. Start do what you remember. And usually, yeah. if they give eight counts, I'm like, "Oh yeah, my brain remembers." But like that's just because I'm choreographing multiple different styles on top of different places and different levels. Right. But something that I've run into, in particular, uh, choreographing in schools, when your lesson plans are able to be switched and pivot, like I said, I've been at numerous schools where a fight has broken out and everyone is upset and in their feelings and emotions. And that class, like the last thing we need is to work on choreo that's going to get yeah. thrown out the window. So that's when we go, cool, it's a stretch day or it's a yoga day or stretching, stretching and conditioning or it's really, really cold outside. That becomes a day where we do a lot across the floor. We get those bodies moving and warm, you know, or like we're leading up to testing. I will get them so active because I know that they're just sitting or they're about to have two, three weeks where they're just sitting. So like, or like planning things out, like we always try to do partner work around Valentine's Day. I always try to do like uh, 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 African dance during Black History Month. Um, yeah, exactly. Or, or like I always teach fuetes and advanced jump and advanced turns in the spring for my body because I'm old and I don't want to be doing all that dancing in the winter. Like, I, cause you know, when you're teaching this stuff, you gotta be, you gotta do it a million times. So like, I don't want to teach fuetes when it's negative four degrees outside. I, you know, right. I want to do it when it's warmer, but having those, pl- having my school year planned out basically allows me to go pivot and shift or just like Danielle said, oh, that lesson plan I use at that school is actually going to work perfect for here. Yep. And it's not It's not to say that like, oh, if you don't plan out your lessons and something happens, right? You know, mm-hmm. something happens in the school, in the studio, or it's like the weather gets really weird or something happened in the news, you know, which has been yes. a huge thing, especially this year. And the energy of the room and the dancers are different. I'm not saying that if you don't have lessons planned, you're not going to be able to on your feet go, okay, this is what we're actually going to do today because Uh any talented teacher should be able to do that. But it's the idea of going, all right, we're going to do something else today. And then next week we can come back to this lesson and I'll already have it planned and I'll be able to go back and look at it, you know? And I just think that, um, it, it's an, you know, I just, I agree with you, right? I think that for me, it's one of those things of like, I having the, this happened for instance, I was writing lessons for my second grade and I had a trajectory of a unit we were doing and we got to a week and I realized where they were at is they were at a different level than they were ready for. So instead what I did was I said, you know, oh, I actually already wrote a lesson about this. So let me go back and let me do that lesson next week. And then the lesson that was supposed to be, that was supposed to happen, we'll do the week after to give them another week. But that way it's creating less work for you. And I think that like, I think the difference is like any good dance teacher can teach on their feet. Uh Um, But not every dance teacher can really foresee and plan out how they want their program or their class to look. And I do think that there's importance in doing that. Absolutely. Because one of the points I were bringing up before, one is like, we as dance teachers don't always give the time needed to like certain fundamental basic things we need as dancers, such as vocabulary. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, but me and Danielle working in school systems, that's a huge important thing is being able to speak the terminology. So we have to, I have to build in time in my lesson plans, not for just choreography, but for vocabulary for, you know, foundational work of being like a pre foundational videos and presentations of what you're going to be learning before you learn it or after you learn it or however you choose to do. So like, I can't, I just refuse to start like teaching them, uh, um, Dunham or Graham or like a traditional piece or any of that stuff without talking about Graham. You know, I've seen a group of kids that were doing a Graham piece, but they didn't know who Graham was. And I'm like, so did we not study? Did we not take, you know, five, 10 minutes, anything to learn about this choreographer whose work you're doing? And they're like, no. And so sometimes there isn't a dance history class or, you know, a, a fundies class that they can learn the stuff in and they have to learn it at the same time as they're learning choreo. So that's what something that lesson planning can very easily help you do. And then mm-hmm. also help, it can help with teaching progressions. Yes. Like, I, like, I, nothing kills me more when I get kids that are like, oh, I want to, I want to do fuetes. I want to do compass turns. I want to do, you know, I don't know. I'm going blank on things towards a taste. I don't know. But they, they, but they can't do the bare minimum. Like they don't have a single pirouette and they don't have a grand jeté. Like you don't have that, but yet you want to do other things or like I had one girl she wanted to do PK turns I was like but you don't have your pirouettes down well what does PK turns have to do with pirouettes and I was like oh that's oh okay so there's just like we we need to get pirouette solid before I waste my time and that's what it is wasting time on any other jumps or turns because or any other turns if we're talking about PKs because you've got to have that foundation there. And so I know the first two months is just foundation. All right, cool. We can plan out this. We can plan out this. We can do this in new ways, but jumping, but if I just instinctually come up with some choreo that has PK turns in it and they can't do it, I've shot myself in the foot. I'm putting them in a position where some kids will get it. Some kids won't. Some kids will start feeling bad that they're not picking up while somebody is. Instead of going down the line of progression that lesson plannings can afford you, which just, I just don't understand. At this point in my career, I don't understand not using them or at least not planning them and then making the choice to pivot. That's totally fine. But the flat out to not have Yeah, I also think that lesson plans are going to become very important depending on where in your career you want to teach, right, which sector, but also just as you move on in your career. So, you know, if you are applying for a dance teaching job or a theater teaching job that's in any sort of a school, right, an educational realm, I mean, 100% academia, like higher ed, like college, but also like any sort of like elementary, even preschool through high school, private, public, independent, religious, charter, whatever, they're going to want them require it. They're going to require lesson plans, A, for your application. And then B, uh, if you get the job as you go on, they're going to want to see it. This is how they're going to be able to see, are you doing the work? Are you putting in, you know, even if your, you know, admin or supervisors don't really understand dance, but they can see, you know, coming to a class and see is his or her lesson plan or their lesson plan aligning with mm-hmm. the, what I'm noticing that the, that the dancers are doing. Um, and I also think like they're important to have because even, even if like an opportunity were to ever come up to like teach at a convention or a conference, um, you never know who's going to ask to see, but can I see a sample lesson? Yes. You know, and if you don't, and a lot of times they'll want video as well, which is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yes. But if you don't have 
lesson plans that you can just pull out of your back pocket, then it's going to be frustrating for you to have to write one. Um, And listen, like some lessons are going to be better than others. Like I have some lesson plans I wrote where I was like, this, this is an amazing lesson. Like, yes, yes, yes. And I have some lesson plans I've written where it's like, you know, it's like 5 p.m. on a Friday. I have to submit them. I don't want to do them. So I write the bare minimum and then I'm like, I'll pivot on Monday. Right. But at least they're there. And it's because I, or even like when you were saying, well, like they'll ask for like sample lesson plans and things like that. Like, even if you go outside of academia and you strictly stay within theater, grants, always, I've, every grant that I've worked under has required me to have lesson plans. That's true. And so I've been at some jobs where like I'm teaching choreo and no one has said anything to me about lesson plans. And then randomly I'll get an email from some higher up within the company that I've never heard of. They're like, I need lesson plans for the grant that's allowing you to be here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And like, there was a few times where I'm like, ah, I don't have lesson plans. No longer is the case. I just literally, great. I've got some sample ones that I can tweak a little bit. You can have them in, you know, in a day or so. I just need a little time to go in and kind of tweak them a little bit, you know? So they're, I just haven't, they're just so useful across the board. And we kind of, even outside of like, out of teaching, even as a choreographer, you map out your choreography. You have to know, and like, you have to know where you're going with your choreography, you know? And like, sometimes you do do stuff on the fly, but you still need to know how much music you have, or you still need to know this needs to happen in this section of the music, whether it's a musical or music video or whatever you're choreographing for. So their road mapping choreo is the same thing as lesson plans, just with a few more academic details. Yeah, so I, it's, it, is a, it is a skill that I think a, all dancers and choreographers should learn to master or should put time into because it's unavoidable. Yeah. So when you, if you are listening and you are in college or going to go to college and study dance or take a workshop or considering taking a workshop on lesson plan writing, do it because I definitely did not take it seriously. And, you know, I had some templates that I, from college, I used when I started, but life could have been easier. Oh, yeah. um, but regardless of that, I want to dive, now that we've talked about why we think lesson plans are important, I want to dive, you, so there's no, here's the other thing. There's no right and wrong way to write a lesson plan. There might be companies, programs, your job, your boss, your supervisor, mm-hmm. who wants you to use a specific template But the way in which the way in which that that's just like what you end up putting in the template, right? But the way in which you plan your actual lesson, your material before you put it into the template, there's no right and wrong way to do it. But I think that it would be great for us to both share our own personal um, Mm -hmm. kind of rundown of how we each plan our lessons. Um, And these are just our experiences and work for us. But I always think that hearing the way that someone else plans and develops can really, you know, just help everyone get their creative juices flowing. So Tony, how do you plan a lesson? Um, So mine goes one of two ways. The first way is there's a skill that I know I need to teach and that will kind of set the tone for my lesson plan. So if like, if it's like we are, we need to get to double pirouettes then the goal of the lesson plan, they must accomplish. Like that's when I'll set up my goals and intentions because I know it's based around, we need to learn a specific move or a specific technique. And then from there, I'm that kind of teacher. I like to sneak in my, I like to make my warm up, my across the floor, my combo all be about that technique, uh, about that specific move if that's what we're doing. 
Um, and if typically if it's like a specific move or technique, I've gotten so many of those lesson plans anymore. I don't have to map them out. Like, especially turns, because anyone that's ever have the chance to take a class with me i am a turner i love turns 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 i love turns jumps and lifts love them so i have so many lesson plans on that that i don't really need to map it out at this point i can pull up a google doc be like mm, these type of turns pull it out and just tweak it mm-hmm. um but that and that's the one where i just don't have to do much work anymore on those because i've been teaching long enough the other way i hear a good song that just hits me and then the first thing i do is i get in the studio me in a mirror or i mean in these times me in my living room me in my kitchen me in my bathroom on the subway platform like there have been times where like just a song hits me and i start choreographing first i get the moves first and i just get the dance i I, and i dance from start to finish and once i finish that start to finish dance then i go cool how do i count this out and i go Mm -hmm. oh this is five counts of eight 24 counts of eight i figure out how to count it Because that way, if I have to talk to a musician about it, because I've taught some classes where I've had instrumentals from musicians play for us. So I've got to be able to count it. That's the first thing. After I count it, then I go, cool. Now you need to be able to teach what you just did. So I have to, I uh, would make notes for myself, kind of road mapping the choreo, just to be able to be like, oh, this is a this, or this is, you know, shorthand for myself of what it is to be able to recreate the choreo that I just did. And then after I recreated the choreo, if it's particularly something difficult, I will sit like by myself and say it out loud so I know how to say it. And that's just for me because I've learned, I have, I teach uh, there, oh my God, I forgot who did this study, but there are different types of learners. There's kinesthetic mm-hmm. learners, audio learners, visual learners. So like I am, I try my best to be as accommodating as I can. So I count it out, boom, cack, uh, uh, um, uh, technique terms, French terms. So like I break it down as many ways possible. And usually after I've broken it down many ways pos- as many ways possible, that's when I go back and I pull out what's the goal, what's the intention, what's, you know, what what are the overall arching themes. That's when I go and pull out the academia stuff out of it after I've created it, counted it, figure out how to teach it. I do all of that before, other than marking the choreo, all of that happens before a pen and paper ever happened because for for me i need to know how it feels in my own body because that's where the kind of trial and error happens because there have been times where i i'll mark something on like the subway platform where you know the thing where you mark the turns Mm -hmm. where you kind of hit your hands and you're not really doing the turns and then i get space right before you know and i like do a full i was like that's not humanly possible to turn your body that fast and that short of a time cool that scrapped or there's times where you know like in my head it's the perfect answer so like I'm like this class does not have that type of flexibility there's no way they're going to do an extension turn into a layout that ain't happening but long as I've gutted that and fixed all that out by the time I get it to the paper I already know the good and the bad that's going to happen and I know regardless of what my higher-ups ask for me I have it already because I figured out the choreo Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah that's me what about you? you um, so I kind of have two approaches as well. I will say that when I am teaching choreography, like a piece, when I'm like choreographing a piece, um, I am usually inspired by music or, you know, a piece of writing or something first. And I will start with the movement, with the choreography, and I'll get it in my body and I'll work it out and, and um, you know, all this stuff. And then I'll go back and I'll count it. And I'll write it and then I'll video it and then I'll refine it and then I'll write it down shorthand so that I can teach it. 
Um, so I think when I'm, when I'm thinking about creating pieces, that is usually what I do is I start with the movement first. And before I ever get to writing, it's movement. And then it's recording it. And then it's figuring out the counting. And then it's shorthand. Um, but if I am teaching just a regular lesson, that doesn't necessarily include creating a piece of choreography, but it's more so based around learning technique or learning a certain um, like concept concept. Mm -hmm. um, what I usually do, especially with teaching kids is I will start with a big calendar of all of the months and I will, I will map out Okay, at the end of every month, what do I want the kids to be able to do? And it's different mm -hmm. for every age group, but I will be, okay, do I want them to understand the elements of dance and be able to internalize it and demonstrate it physically? Is it that by the end of the month, they're going to be able to know these five different, you know, steps from ballet and all of the, and the terminology and be able to um, showcase a routine that they're, that they're strung together in. Is it, I want them to be able to um, listen to a story or a song and then be able to uh, create movement for themselves off of it, right? What is it that I want them to be able to do? Again, based upon how old they are, you know, mm -hmm. what grade they're in. And then from there, I'll go back and I'll say, okay, now that I know at the end of September, they need to be able to um, demonstrate the, the different qualities of movement within their body, know uh, the four basic up, what am I going to teach each week? Now, each week, what is the goal? And then from there, and I do that first, from there, then I start going, all right, how am I going to teach this lesson concept? And that's when I go to my notebook and I write, all right, so we do the warm up. And then it's, is it vocabulary? What is the activity that I'm teaching? What is the choreography that I need to teach? And I'll write it down in my notebook. And usually it's a lot of like notes, like random notes, like not a fully written lesson. And then from there, I'll take the template that I've been given from work and I'll type it out in order. Um, so wait, so, how far in advance do you lesson plan? I, so this, I, I've oh, never heard her lesson planning method. So I'm hearing this for the first time too. That's so interesting. I love that. Like, so, so how far I, in advance? So I'll do the beginning of every school year. I'll do the whole, I'll do like the, um, the basically like a scope and sequence of like yeah. every month, these are the goals. Okay. Now every week, these are the goals. I'll do that for the whole school year in like August when I go back to work and I have the calendar huh. again, again, with the notion that at any moment I can pivot and choose to do something, oh, absolutely. right? Like these uh, are not absolutely. set in stone. I must do this or die. Right. But then, so I always do that in the beginning, but then actual lessons, like the actual lesson that I have to like submit, um, for work where I currently work, they actually want us to submit lessons two weeks in advance, which I, in all honesty, don't love because that's a lot of time. And I start getting confused about what I'm teaching because I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine, are they going to understand this lesson? And then we plan for two weeks in advance. Right. So I, um, in all honesty, I'll like plan two weeks in advance for the first like six weeks. And then when they like leave me alone like when administration like leaves me alone I'll start planning week by week because week by week it's easier for me to gauge oh, is there anything we need to go back did something not land do I need to switch it up do we need to move faster um so 
I usually plan week like one week in advance. So there, there's something that she mentioned that I, I've been working on this a lot lately. So I don't know if you actually mentioned it on the show last week or this week. Scope and sequence. Mm-hmm. So one, depending on how you feel on it, the previous education secretary came up with this concept of scope and sequence so that no, regardless of what type of school that you teach at, there's a general guideline that everyone can follow to know what you're doing. And so scope and sequences are basically like units, which yeah. you can, your, your program kind of decides like how long a unit is. So like for, I think for my school, it's like a unit can be one or two months just depending on what, and that's like the overall thing. Um, and the reason that I bring that up because that is the thing that's been kind of the trend for the last several years. I'm so used to like planning out a scope and sequence and then everything else is week to week for me because I, I also teach a lot with uh, high school kids. So like my scope and sequence only goes for a semester because the next semester I will have a totally new set of kids. Um, so, or sometimes a totally new set of kids. So that's, yeah, that's why I was like, oh, that's so interesting to me that like you plan the entire, uh, and I, I, I think in a way I kind of do, but just like, be semester to semester like I think of mine so semester to semester mm-hmm. and I think that's just how high schools are because that you know they may some kids may only need one dance credit so after they're done with their dance credit they move on to the next one right huh I probably would do that if I had classes that switch but because I'm in an elementary school where I see the kids all year yeah that's what I do now let me be clear what I had created in all well even this year, what I had created in August is like not what I ended up doing because of all the different like, are we going back? Are we not going back? And then once we started, once we started getting into the swing of like asynchronous lessons and then synchronous lessons, like what was actually feasible and possible in this new realm of remote teaching shifted. Um, But I would say that like, I do like doing that because I feel like I'll have all these big ideas and then I'll forget them. So if I write them down in the beginning of the year, yeah. um, hopefully, you know, the kids will retain, will be able to get through the majority of the material I had wanted to do. Um, but again, every, everyone's like process is different for me. It definitely like, I also can't go straight to the computer and type out a lesson plan, right? Like I need to scribble all over my notebook and figure out my thoughts and think, does that make sense? Like, Like, I'm totally with you. I've seen somebody that likes that though. She's a fabulous teacher. She will sit down and trend like clickety clack, pause, clickety clack, lesson plans perfectly filled out. And then go back and figure out like choreo to go with it or things like that. And I'm like, oh, your brain's amazing because there's no way I could start at the paper and then go to, but like, it's just how she thinks. Yeah. Or it just yeah, works I mean, out that way. And it depends. Like I said, like if I'm focused on just choreography, so anything from like teaching programs with older kids, creating a new piece for something, or even my elementary school kids working on you know, a winter show or an end of year show that starts with the music, right? Or the theme, right? If I have a theme for a show, it's like, all right, this is the theme. Now let me find music to go with the theme. Then let me, right? Like it always starts with the music and the movement, but the day-to-day lessons is a lot of, um, 
yeah, like kind of mapping out like what is it I want these kids to be able to know and accomplish. And something that I, I want to bring up, because we didn't really plan on talking about this, but it goes hand in hand with like uh, lesson planning and things like that. When you do kind of map out and plan where you're going, like it also allows you to use your resources. Me and Danielle will text each other all the time being like, I've created this. I'm stumped for a song. Or like, I, what is that move? I'm forgetting the term of it. And like, we'll send each other videos. Like, I there are plenty of teachers where like, we will just message back and forth where it's being like, this is, and I say this because not everyone is in a school setting where there is a network of teachers that they can reach out to. Reach out to your friends, reach out to the internet. Like there, there are plenty of resources out there um, that I just say, you reach out to your network when it comes, your network of people, when it comes to creating these lesson plans sometimes, because I love, honestly, I love working with older teachers that have been teaching for years, you know, people that have had studios for years where they're like, I need some fresh lesson plans or I need, you know, to shake up a new idea with an old idea. I love going in and being like, oh, these are my teaching methods. Because like I said, I'm, I'm only in my early 30s. So like someone that's been teaching 50 years, we're not, you weren't trained at the same time. So we're going to have very different approaches a lot of the time. And I've learned wonderful things for, you know, like uh, there are certain moves that like I, uh, certain lesson plans that like I go to that I've taken from teachers that I've taken classroom where I've gone to them being like I want this lesson plans can I steal this I'm stealing this you know mm -hmm. just because it's so effective like the um I think I've talked about this like the ballet teacher where I had where she would play penny wars like teaching the kids how to tendu and degage and frappe using pennies to like fling across the floor so they learn the foot rhythm mm -hmm. I'm like the con muscle control of your foot I, I, that's not my lesson plan. I learned that from a teacher and I was like, I'm stealing this because it's a brilliant way to get yeah. them to understand to, you know, to lightly touch the floor without mm -hmm. dragging their whole foot. Like, so, so it's, I mean, it's so wonderful. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Like that's, that's honestly like such a great thing is, is the, um, you know, absolutely, like reach out to the people in your network, if you have a network, whether that's within your job, or just your network of like friends and creative professionals that you know. Um, because we even do it like at my job, where it's like we have we have a Google Drive, and everyone can contribute and sharing lesson plans is great, because like, I, you know what I mean? It's like, if, if something's not necessarily in my wheelhouse, I can go ask someone else. And the thing absolutely. about having the lesson plans is, I can watch someone teach it, but then to be able to have the reinforcement of the words that I can look at yes. and start to internalize for myself is so helpful. Um, you know, or sometimes someone doesn't have time to send you a video or sit down with you, but they'll go, I can send you my lesson plan to look at. And so I definitely think like, they're not just about you having to do something for work, but they're about the ability to like give and share and trade and, um, and definitely ask, right? Like, Ask oh, yeah. your friends, ask your creative community for their lesson plans, for their ideas, because I learn, I get new ideas every time I get to sit down with the other dance teachers in my network. Every time I get yeah. to sit down with them, I get a new idea of something that I can teach. Because or you, sometimes or you, you just need to connect with people who do what you do. And you find people that are stronger in certain aspects than you, because I, yeah. one of the most amazing teachers, um, her name is Ampara Sigwe, that I work with. She has been teaching very long time, had companies and all kinds of things. Um, now at her age, she prefers to teach yoga now. And I've seen her work yoga with elementary school kids. 
and I've seen her work yoga with like technically like tough inner city kids mm-hmm. and when I tell you people love her class the younger kids and the older kids and I'm seeing her being like granted I'm either teaching hip-hop or like modern and jazz so it's always like energy non-stop and I'm like how do you quiet their minds and their souls to teach these five-year-olds to do a full-on yoga flow She's like, you just do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. There's something here. I want to see it. So she's like shown me her lesson plans. And I've like watched her. I, I've like, she handed me a lesson plan and I've watched her go through a lesson plan. And I'm like, oh my God, this clicks for me or do this certain thing or this certain word or this certain music. Like little things like that, like have taught me so much about like quieting younger kids and like yes. getting them to focus in. But it's one of those things of like, again when you I I think honestly as I think about this lesson plans and doing this over years and years helps you find your teaching philosophy and it helps you find what kind of you are and you will find because like I said you will find certain lesson plans will work for you really well it's the same kind of way last week when we were talking about teaching philosophies and I like me and Nero both were like "Mm, Montessori school is not kind of our cup of tea you know Mm -hmm. but I have some friends that love that environment yeah, I absolutely love teaching in that type of environment. And I'm just like, that is not me at all. <laughs> that is not me at all. Yeah, so- I mean, I think it's I think that you are correct in saying that as if you're not sure where to start with a teaching philosophy, like what is it that my philosophy is like, where do I ground myself, you'll definitely discover it through the act of writing lesson plans and, and looking at other people's lessons plans and kind of deciding what makes sense for you and and what doesn't. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I hope those are helpful. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll post some kind of like uh, snippets of like how we lesson plan little, you know, if I can share some photos from my notebooks of my crazy writings um, and kind of like what that looks like as I'm planning out. Um, But we hope that, you know, you guys were able to take some pointers away from this and like, we are also like, again, like I said, like I love seeing other teachers lesson plans and getting pointers from them. So I'm always willing and open to see how is it that other people teach and what can I implement into my practice? Always. I'm the exact same way. And yeah, I definitely, I am, I'm lesson planning right now for a new program. <laughs> so I've got tons of stuff um, that I should be, I think some of them are copyrighted where I can't show them. Like it's like, I mean, behind NDAs where I can't share them, which surprisingly is a thing that like some companies feel that way about, which was new to me. I only recently- They used do. I used to work for a couple of companies <laughs> where they were like, you cannot share these lesson plans. Like these are our property. Like you yeah. can't. Well, and they're not- but you learn, But here's the thing is like, even if you can't take those lesson plans with you or share them, if you leave, you will be able to take the skills and the ideas from them, right? And like be able to be like, oh, that yeah. really worked. How could I use that in the future? Well, I just had, I mean- with the one that I'm under and I, I can take them with me. Like I can always have them, but I can never share them outwardly. So, and I was like, Oh, okay. That's the thing. Um, but yeah. Uh, so with that being said, the curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that episodes come out every Thursday, you can find us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to like comment and subscribe. We are at Point PYT on all social media platforms. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the Avengers of NYC Dance Teacher.